0: Boy, is it good to hear those words once again. We are back. Hello and welcome to the Not The Top 20 podcast sponsored by Betfair. This is our League 2 1-24 to 24 league predictions for the 2022-2023 season. I'm Ali Maxwell, he is George Ellick. We are delighted to announce that we've signed on for another year with Betfair as our exclusive podcast partners. We are so grateful for their support and what it means is we can continue to do what we have done for the last six years and that is cover the EFL as best we can. We will not be changing anything major. There will be Monday podcasts, there will be Thursday betting shows where we will use the Betfair Sportsbook and the Exchange to find value and try and pick out some EFL weekend winners, but today is all about pre-season predictions. Next on the line, more specifically the necks of George Ellick and myself. George, League Two feels to me the unruly sibling of the three EFL siblings. Certainly, For me, the most fun, the hardest to predict and definitely the most level of the three playing fields in the sense of the smallest difference between the biggest budgets and the smallest budgets. And I think it's probably the hardest to predict.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, And we see it every year now as well. Uh, Looking back to last season where you had... Exeter and Forest Green um, as the top two, uh, not much between them uh, You with know, the title going to Forest Green on final day and, and there's no way those are the two teams with the highest budgets in the division. Uh, you also had some of those with high budgets performing pretty poorly and ending up towards the bottom end of the league. I think because the discrepancy is smaller, it means that it's generally side to a well-run and well-managed rather than those who just throw money at it. I think we often see in the Championship in League One, you see clubs who have big budgets and are not particularly well run and who can go through two or three managers in a season actually finishing up in, in an okay position, whereas that isn't the case in, in League 2. And I also think there is, because it's the smallest of the leagues and probably the the area where there's the least interest, I think common perception and reality are most at odds, uh, especially this season, we'll, we'll kind of get on to a couple of them, but there are two or three clubs that I think are perceived to be minnows or relegation fodder who actually, in terms of their ambition and their and their budget and and what they're doing that that just isn't the case. and it's mainly based on the size of the club rather than or the perceived size of the club rather than what they're actually doing. so yeah, it's it's the most interesting. it's probably the area where there is. The most opportunity to look very clever, but also for that reason, the most opportunity to uh, to look pretty foolish.
0: Uh, there's no doubt about that. Let's put that all into practice. Before we do, uh, another huge giveaway this season, the same as last year's, because it was so popular and because we were so delighted to run this one to twenty four giveaway. We will be buying a season ticket for one. Lucky and valued listener of these 1-24 to 24 podcasts. A season ticket for an EFL club, more specifically, bought by us for one of you. How does that sound? I think pretty good. The details of how you can put yourself in with a chance will be at the end of this podcast. A reward for you for listening to it. A huge giveaway this year. We will be buying a season ticket for one lucky listener, just like we did for Sam, the Cambridge fan, last season. What a season he had uh, watching his side at the Abbey. But let's start at the bottom of League 2. One of the things, George, that's been pretty consistent over the last few seasons is that there's and I quote always a basket case club that will implode their way to relegation to the National League that is uh, or rather has been up to this point always something of a given and you can normally make an educated guess as to who that might be it doesn't feel necessarily like that exists to the same extent this season at this moment in time anyway which overall is a good thing it makes me think the health of the clubs is slightly stronger than we've seen in recent years but it also makes picking the bottom two Quite a lot tougher. So, talk me through our team in 24th.
1: Yeah, certainly at the moment it looks like there isn't a um, a team to be too concerned about uh, off the field. Rochdale have recently had um, some pretty big concerns. You know, this time last year we were we were looking at a hostile takeover with a kind of disagreement about um, about whether the the current owners had the the financial whereabouts to continue funding the club. Um, you know, that that instability looks to be done now but I think from what we're seeing in terms of business um, and progression of the club and maybe reinvestment in or, or I mean the players they've lost which I'll come on to in a second there are, still feels to me like possible reasons where we might be if there is a club in three or four months time we're talking about uh, being concerned about it would, be, it would be the team we've got in 24th and that's Rochdale the main reasons for picking them are more on-field stuff Um, their manager Robbie Stockdale had his first season in charge last season Uh, I think with certain managers after their rookie seasons whether it's um, a Rob Edwards or even a James Robey or someone like that you you can kind of see the star quality maybe in what they're doing I don't think as a neutral looking into Rochdale we necessarily think Stockdale has that I know that Rochdale fans aren't particularly enamoured by him either Uh, that's not to say he can't improve in the upcoming campaign and looking at the transfer business as well, you know there have been some okay incomings, which I'll get to in a second, but they've lost so much quality. You know, you're know, you looking at, at Grant, O'Connell, O'Keefe, um, who've all kind of stepped up in terms of, the, of their careers and, and you look at where they've moved on to, um, that their, their quality is going to be missed. And then even Alex Newby, who I'm, I'm pretty surprised that he's gone to, to Colchester, certainly a player whose technical ability was was better than, than most of what Rochdale had. The players that have come in, I mean, they've got some experience behind them. You know, you've got uh, Tamani Diagaraga, you've got Ian Henderson coming back aged, what are they, 35 and 37. Um, they're not necessarily poor signings, but it's hard to get overly excited about players who are, are quite clearly in the twilight of their careers and players who I'm not necessarily sure would have got other EFL moves. Um, Ethan Ebanks-Landell is, is probably the, the highlight in terms of the transfer business and somebody that I'm pretty surprised Rochdale were able to attract. But in my point of view, there are, just a lot of reasons to be pretty concerned whether it is the players they've lost which is crucial um, the fact that I'm, I'm not entirely sure how long you know how secure the manager, manager's role is given what what we've already seen or if he's necessarily the man to take them forward and then caveated by the fact that if, if things do start to unravel off the field then they could be the club that we look back at or we're looking at in six months time and thinking you know this is a club in, in, in serious existential crisis so um Yeah, apologies to Rochdale fans. Um, We we are very aware that, as we always say, no fan of an EFL club, really, unless things are really looking poor, um, is going to expect to be put in 24th, 23rd or anywhere really beneath about 18th. Uh, We have to pick someone and and I think there's enough reason to think that, that Dale could really struggle.
0: I think the headline stats for me were only six wins after Christmas Uh, Rochdale under Robbie Stockdale that was after they'd lost Morley and Beasley in January as well Uh, you could argue that they haven't been replaced to quite the same extent albeit uh, you never know how players will step up this season and as you mentioned their six highest minutes makers if you will the player the six players that played the most minutes last season are all out the building Uh, it's a rebuild it's still Robbie Stockdale Uh, we are not buying into it Rochdale in 24th in 23rd Colchester United now they they do not they certainly do not fit the bill of basket case club. That is reserved for clubs whose absolute future is under threat. Now, I do not believe that to be the case at Colchester United. However, if we look at off-field issues, um, the governance of the club and Robbie Cowling's ownership of it has come heavily into question over the last few years. And that's really because on the pitch there has been a real decay if you will the performances uh, on the pitch over the last few seasons have dropped significantly uh, and we have them in 23rd place because we don't see an obvious turnaround this summer Wayne Brown came in in the middle of last season, towards the end of last season, and they did get a new manager bounce, and that kept them clear of relegation. A finish of 15th in the end for Colyu, I think, somewhat obscures what was another pretty uncomfortable and somewhat turgid season um, for them. And with Brown, just like with a lot of of the managers that are hired in uh, early of the uh, in, in the early part of the year to give their team a bounce to avoid relegation. We always say it's a completely different prospect. It's a completely different job to then have the summer And then try and motivate a a squad for a whole season where everyone starts on zero versus the very obvious target of staying up and grabbing a couple of wins, which is what they did. For me, there's not been a huge amount of summer transfer business that makes me think this squad has got any stronger. You mentioned Alex Newby. I agree. He's a player that in flashes can provide moments of serious quality. I think the questions over his consistency remain and that'll be up to him to to prove wrong. Departures are, are pretty significant. I would suggest in midfield, the all-round game of Sarpong Wiredo who's moved up to Fleetwood I think will be missed. Um, His box-to-box skill set particularly, uh, albeit I like Chilvers in midfield a lot Uh, and Shamal George in goal, he did have some moments of of wobbly goalkeeping, who doesn't in League 2 but he also had some mesmeric performances particularly in the first half of the season many of whom, uh, many of which rather won Colchester precious points and I don't think the replacements at this point for those two players uh, are particularly standout. So Uh, I'm excited for some young players, as I always am for Colchester United. They really do trust in youth, and that is something that we do applaud uh, for sure. Chamado, the fullback, Chilvers in midfield, and I've heard good things about Gene Kennedy, a teenage midfielder as well. But overall, Uh, It's a thin squad in my eyes. It's a mixture of very old and very young players, uh, a lot of them seemingly fairly injury prone as well, and just this general malaise around the place. Maybe not quite as strongly as we felt it with Scunthorpe last season, but not a million miles away. Uh, and our lack of certainty as to whether Wayne Brown is indeed the man to finally get a grip on this club and lift the whole place. Uh, it's hard to see exactly where a ton of goals are going to come from outside of Sears and a couple from Chilvers in midfield. Colchester United, we have suffering relegation, 23rd in our 1-24s. to
1: Yeah, looking at Betfair's odds on the Betfair Sportsbook, um, Rochdale fans who are apoplectic about us having them in 24th. I mean, they are seven or two second favourites for relegation, so not too controversial in opinion. Colchester a bit bigger, uh, around about five to one. Um, So seven or two, Rochdale... 5 to 1 Colchester. So that's the really bad
0: news uh, out the way. Uh, having said that, the team that we've got in 22nd, this might surprise some people because last season George Harrogate Town started the campaign really, really strongly, uh, but they really did tail off somewhat alarmingly, which is why I guess we've got them down in 22nd spot.
1: Yeah, we mentioned concerns for managers. Um, of, the, of the first two clubs we've spoken about Stockdale at Rochdale and, the, and then Brown at Colchester I don't think we have too many concerns about Simon Weaver being the right man to lead Harrogate I think often good performances in previous seasons and in my opinion Harrogate coming 19th last season is a, is a pretty good job well done given um, you know the stature of the club and, and probably their budget as well the, the concern for me as you mentioned there is they started last season incredibly well and that was Effectively, what kept them away from the relegation um, battle? You know, I think if you if you're taking the league last season on from, they lost twenty
0: of the last thirty five games in the league.
1: Yeah, if you if you start the the season from November the first, um, they would have finished in twenty first, and it's that kind of form line. If they continue at that rate for the rest of the for, for next season, they're going to be without a doubt embroiled in the uh, in the relegation dogfight, especially when you consider. As we said, that there aren't those teams that at this stage you can kind of say, well, we can be pretty confident they're going to be towards the bottom end. Um, you know, the, the most positive things you can probably say is, is retention. You know, they've still got some of their key players. Uh, Armstrong remains, Muldoon remains, Patterson remains, but I think towards the the second half of last season we started to see that maybe their good early season form was a bit of a flash in the pan. We know they can do it, but whether they're actually um, you know, top end league two players now looks fairly questionable uh, in it in terms of incomings. A couple of loneys who come in with decent reputations. I know Matty Daly has a as you know a player from Huddersfield who a lot of fans are expecting a great deal from. You are quite excited to see Barry Ferguson's son, big Kyle Ferguson, the centre back? Yes. Um, but that, but that's it. You're, you're asking for uh, a couple of um, players stepping up from the national league, and Carl Ferguson, Max Wright. You're asking for a couple of players who kind of journeyman EFL players, and then and then a couple of loans. There's little in terms of incoming to get excited about, and I think the, the prolonged form, the sustained form uh, at the back end of last season uh, is, is too much of a concern to ignore. So we've got them just surviving. But if I were, uh, you know, if I was a Harrogate fan, I would say keeping Harrogate away from the the relegation scrap has got to be the aim for this season.
0: It's been two seasons now of of really poor defensive record for Harrogate, the third worst in the division last season. They have to sort that out. It looks like Simon Weaver is taking steps to address that, but you never can guarantee that that will happen. And if it does happen, at what cost? on the attacking end, particularly if Harrogate start poorly, uh, I'd be pretty concerned, I think it's fair to say. I think we'll know, it's one of those clubs, I think we'll know, George, by the by, sort of the mid-September mark, whether actually we were wrong and it turns out that they know themselves and they can pick up early season points comfortably, like an Accrington maybe in League Two, as they have done the last few seasons, or whether it's something to be really concerned about. Uh, next up, we got Hartley-Paul United, uh, their new manager, Paul Hartley, very much putting the Hartley in Hartlepool (laughs) this season, Uh, and he is something of an unknown uh, south of the border. Of course, a very experienced manager um, compared to many at this level where we do have a lot of uh, rookie or inexperienced managers. Hartley is anything but has a fantastic record in the Scottish lower leagues, has earned a ton of promotions, which would be pretty exciting to me if I was uh, a Hartlepool United fan. Uh, I've been told that he's he's known up north, or north of the border rather, as a, a good coach, a good communicator, our concerns come really twofold. After Dave Chaloner left last season, Hartlepool United were not a good side uh, in League Two. In fact, they ended the season with underlying numbers, XG ratio that would have had them in the bottom four, albeit they finished 17th with that strong start under Chaloner. And Hartley is taking a pretty extreme approach. Now, it was put to me by someone I'm going to call my Scottish mole, right? <laughs> someone who has an encyclopedic knowledge of Scottish lower league football very much someone that uh, I like to try and sort of emulate in terms of EFL uh, uh, terms who said Hartley has built a Scottish Championship team here and not even one with the best talents. Now, I don't know exactly the translation of quality between the Scottish Championship and League Two, but from the tone of that message from my Scottish mole, my suggestion, or I'd rather I took his suggestion to be that these players could comfortably be struggling at League Two level. Um, I don't know. Can if... you comfortably struggle? Yeah, I'd say so. Okay. Just a comfy struggle. <laughs> I'd say finishing 21st is a comfy struggle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it's not the worst thing that could happen. Well, it depends how you, you get it's... there but it's a struggle. Um, I love Jamie Sterry, the right wing back, but you have to be concerned having lost uh, Molyneux, who's their main creator last season, uh, Bogle up top, who scored a few goals, but Odessina as well and Neil Byrne at the back who were key men. It's a big overhaul. It's a lot of players moving down south from Scotland and there's just something a little bit red flaggy about that. Uh, I've been told to expect some flashes of goodness from Jake Hasty. I think Callum Cook is a solid signing at this level, um, but... Overall, I'm not expecting huge things for this Hartlepool side with the with the acceptance that some of the players might overperform expectations and might be the sort of players that we enjoy watching and talk a lot about at the moment. Based on what we've looked at the league and Hartlepool United, we've got them in 21st. Uh, George, 20th. It's a team who were playing League One football last season.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's funny because, I, I mean, in my opinion, with Hartlepool, they're probably the team who could make us look... The most foolish very quickly, where they are one of the most, um, there's the highest variance given you know Hartley's reputation and the fact they brought in a lot of players we know little about with crew. I kind of think that's the same, and that's what we've got next. You know, they are a team who were relegated totally abjectly from League One last season, one of the worst League One teams I reckon we've seen in recent years. Uh, I think every, anybody who knows much about crew. Over the last couple of seasons, would have had David Artell, their their former manager, as a massive net positive at the club, even though things ended up going poorly. Their new manager, Alex Morris, um, a, a guy who uh, came through the youth system as a player there, um, due to injury had to retire at a very early age, and is therefore a a young up and coming coach who has spent his whole career coaching at Crew DNA. Um, yeah, DNA. So he is a massive unknown as well. What we do know is that. Poor squads, bad teams coming down from League One struggle without reinforcements in League Two. There are plenty of examples of teams coming down and if they haven't um, been able to somehow turn around what we've seen the season before, you know, it's not like the Championship where a poor Championship side comes into League One and immediately they're a top-half team at all. Um, and there is there's precedence for teams coming down and struggling immediately. And, and Crew look to me to be, of the, of the group who are coming down this time, the most likely to do that. They've made some okay signings, I think. You know, Baker Richardson is someone who on his day can be very strong, um, but realistically, there's nothing to get too excited about and the squad still looks incredibly thin, which is what we've seen a lot. We also know that Crew's recent success was built upon academy grads um, coming through and you know, basically improving the side immediately from a young age and being sold on for profit. We've seen so many players be sold on and do well but there don't seem to be the new generation to come up and and, um, and replace them. So at this stage they don't look to have the goals necessary. Uh, I think Dan Adji, formerly of Oxford, is, is certainly someone who adds a an unpredictability and at League 2 level I think he could be a decent player for them but I don't think he's going to be prolific and it's hard to see where the goals necessarily do come from. And with out a keeper as well with uh, Will Jaskalainen moving on uh, they need to find a new, a new goalkeeper soon um, There doesn't seem to me to be the necessary quality to uh, get even near bouncing back and, and if they are to go one way I think it might be um, further down towards the bottom end of the, of the EFL
0: Above them we have Carlisle United finishing 19th which would be an improvement of one place up on last season's 20th Now we've got to get the elephant out of the room is that phrase? <laughs> Got to get the elephant in the room, out of the room early. And that is, Carlisle fans are having none of this. I can, I can actually hear them, hypothetically, crying out. Paul Simpson is the messiah. I can hear them turning off. I've seen a, a Carlisle fan suggest Carlisle will be the best coached team in the division this season. That may be the case. That may be the case. However, I really am going to want to see it before I believe it. Carlisle United were pretty desperate last season. It was not a good squad of players and they did not start the season well. When Paul Simpson came in, just like every team down at the bottom of League Two last season, they pulled the trigger. They went for good vibes. They went for someone with a, a real connection to the club, someone who the fans loved already and it worked so well. Simpson rattled off six wins in seven games to keep them up comfortably. Looking back at those games... It's very, very clear to me that Carlisle, while they did improve under Simpson, was certainly not suddenly a dominant League Two side, let alone a dominant or let alone a sort of mid-table level side. They didn't win the XG battle in any of the six games that Simpson won in his first seven. Uh, And I'm not intending to take away from what was a great start from Paul Simpson, but by the end of the season, that bounce had gone. And the way that they finished the season didn't scream to me heading into next season on the cusp of goodness or greatness under Simpson. Um, Now, he is very highly rated. He does appear to have a very, very good grip on things. And I do like him a lot. I don't, think the squad is hugely strong they've not lost anyone monstrously important nor do i think they've added anyone that is an absolute guaranteed sure thing i think holy is an upgrade at goalkeeper um, and then there's a lot of potential, really. Uh, Barkley at the back, Edmondson up front is someone that, again, I would really want to see a bit more from after his loan at Port Vale last season. E Finn-Back, son of the Rugby World Cup winning Neil Back on loan from uh, Nottingham Forest. Uh, a player in, in Sonny Hilton on loan from Fulham, who looks like a really exciting technical player. Think of Fabio Carvalho, uh, make him probably not quite as talented and put him in League Two. That's what I'm expecting to see from Sonny Hilton as a, uh, the sort of player that he is. And then a really fun story is Owen Moxon, uh, who they've picked up from Annan Athletic. It's a fun story because Moxon is from Carlisle. He's a Carlisle United fan. He was jettisoned from their academy as a kid and he had to go just north of the border. Uh, he was playing for Queen of the South and then over 100 games for Annan, where he's been absolutely fabulous. I've heard very good things about him, but it's still a big step up from the level of football that he was playing at before. I'm hoping that he will uh, click. I like Omari Patrick, I like Gibson, I think these are good attacking players they're players I want to see more consistency from maybe Simpson can get more consistency from them in which case they could easily outperform this but there's a lot to do based on last season where Carlisle only scored 26 goals from open play in 46 games and they only scored 5 goals in the first half of home league games Simpson needs to make sure that the crowd which are currently more than behind him continue to be so and He'll do that uh, by getting this squad bang at it early on. Uh, This is another one where Simpson may make us look very stupid. If he is indeed the Messiah, uh, we're going to need to see it before we back it. Uh, So that's Carlisle United in 19th, 18th. George, it's the Mariners. They're back. Yeah.
1: um, 17 points Grimsby finished behind Stockport last season in the National League. Um, And that is, I think, um, important to remember. Grimsby Town finished last season in the National League 6th. They were by no stretch. One of the elite teams in the division over the course of the season. However, this is a very different Grimsby Town to the one that we said farewell to um, the the season before uh, under toxic ownership, where the relationship with the with the, with the former owner uh, and the fan base had, had got really really poor. Uh, and you also had um, the, the Ian Holloway situation, where he came in was initially so popular, and his association with the outgoing owner. Uh, caused just a, a horrific atmosphere at the club and they were relegated uh, into the National League. And, and I think we probably knew that um, something had to change if we were going to see them again. I don't think anyone necessarily expected them to return as quickly as they have done. But the return of Paul Hurst, you know, a manager who who, was a, who took them out of the National League and they're enough a, a decade ago before going on to better things at Shrewsbury Town and then having difficulty at Ipswich and Scunthorpe, his return to the club where he had had that success was so important and I think crucially for Grimsby now they have new owners who themselves you know they came in during the season at uh, the back end of the season the relegation season uh, they are local businessmen fans uh, and in the first year of their tenure um, their first full season signs are very very good there is a stability at Grimsby that we didn't necessarily think we would uh, have seen and it, it means they are uh, you know a very basically an un- unrecognisable club from the one that we saw get relegated um, Hurst's a huge positive, you have to think that going into this season, but as we say, they did not finish towards the top end of the National League. They went up in the most incredible playoff campaign I have ever seen, where... If you're a Grimsby Town fan watching those games, the amount of late goals, the amount of late drama was just phenomenal. And I guess there is an intangible there where under Paul Hurst, this set of players will, will go into the season totally believing in their ability to, uh, to to cause an upset. We always say it, no team has ever been relegated uh, out of the EFL the season after being promoted out of the National League. I don't think there's any reason to think that Grimsby will be the first to do so as it stands at the moment. And I think they actually have in John McAtee um, who is linked strongly to a move to, to Huddersfield early in the campaign. Um, if he looks likely that he's going to st- at least start the season at the club, I think he will be one of the breakout stars of the EFL this season. You know, I saw a bit of him last season because um, of the in-laws being town fans. Uh, so I've seen a fair bit of, of McAtee and he's someone with the talent... And the directness and the goal-scoring ability um, to be a, a massive success at League Two level. So, positivity for Grimsby, a season of consolidation, and reasons to think that they should that their stay in the EFL should be a, a bit longer than the last one.
0: So, this is the first reference of, of probably a couple over the three divisions. Uh, it's it's kind of an excuse of sorts. It's more just a point to make about the fact that this season starts. Uh, at least a week earlier than it ordinarily does. But the transfer window has not been pulled forward Uh, and because there's no uh, international tournament this summer the suggestion is that Premier League clubs have been pretty happy to have a very prolonged look at a lot of their development squad and under 23 players that in ordinary summers they might not be hugely fussed about. Uh, The suggestion is therefore that the amount of late business in the last few weeks of August is going to be higher than ever particularly when it comes to loan signings and we know increasingly over the last few years uh, and with finances perhaps tighter than before Covid that loan players are or can be a huge influence on teams in League One, in League Two and in the Championship as well. What it means is when we do these predictions with five full weeks of the transfer window left it's often not long until some of the things that we say particularly about thin squads can look quite stupid. What I would say is We cannot predict transfers. We cannot really predict, for the most part, the strength of the players that will come in. But of course, we do expect players to come in over the next six weeks. This leads me to Gillingham, who I think have possibly the the biggest variance in finish in League Two from the moment that we're recording this, which is the 25th of July. That's because with Neil Harris in charge, they have a manager who is widely respected at Championship level, let alone League One level, certainly let alone League Two level, who is considered... Too good to be managing in League Two. Now, that is a sort of opinion on any manager that slightly concerns me because I'm someone that definitely believes in the strength of a manager, but also thinks that the circumstances and the scenario in which they're put have a huge impact on the work that they are able to do. And that is where I personally am concerned for Gillingham as we record today. They only have about 14 senior pros. On their books. There are a couple of loanees that have come in. There are a couple of inexperienced players who could grow into key first team contributors. But Jill's came down from League One in poor shape. Neil Harris with some famously strong words on final day, trying to get a grip, lift them up by their bootstraps, this club. And he's trying to do it single handedly. Now, my perception from the outside and with no inside information is that he might be finding this quite difficult. They have added some players this summer, but I think ideally they would have more pros through the door at this point. Those that they have signed. Well, I think the jury is still out. Mikhail Mandron has scored goals at League One level. So has Scott Kashkir. But I don't think they are necessarily as a two up top guaranteed to score a ton of goals. I'm not 100% sure if there's any particular style this squad suits. Harris, of course, having been known at Millwall for playing a, a very effective and quite direct style of play. I mean, he had 18 games at the back end of last season in League One. And the theory and the narrative has been that if Harris had been there for longer, Jills would have stayed up comfortably. They did get a bounce, but it wasn't much more than that. He had 18 games, Harris. They won four of their first nine. And then with a perfectly good shot at survival, in fact, I'm pretty sure they they were the right side of the dotted line um, at one point in April. They then picked up only three points from their last six games to suffer relegation. So it wasn't some absolute messiah job. Now, I do like Neil Harris. I do think he's a good manager. I think the position that we have Jills in and the acceptance that they could get a strong grip on things and be much higher than this. My concern is that with the season just days away, it kind of feels like it could go either way. And I can see a scenario, I can see a scenario where Harris has walked into a club in poor shape, he's demanded higher standards, and I'm not sure if he's necessarily receiving them. And if he's not feeling backed, is there a chance he could get fed up? If Neil Harris leaves Gillingham, suddenly it is a club in hugely worrying shape without a blue chip manager, which is what people think about them at the moment. For me, Gills are in the balance. That's why I have them in 17th position. I am... Definitely more concerned about Gillingham than the general consensus seems to be, despite respect for their manager, Neil Harris. It'll be interesting to see how the season plays out from here. Uh, Above them, George, we actually have a team in Swindon Town who made the playoffs last season, but uh, dropping in our eyes.
1: Yeah, tin hat brigade for me, this one, I think, isn't it? Um, (laughs) Yeah, Swindon Town come into this season... um, this time last year we spoke about them before the takeover went through and we had them in the relegation zone Um, a few days later when the takeover went through and they started to make signings uh, we kind of quickly revised our decision in the first betting show and said they looked like they were in much better shape since then uh, we've seen so many key men move to Charlton Athletic Um, that is something we have to discuss I personally I know that the, the narrative around Ben Garner has changed a bit since he left the club, but I think Ben Garner did a, uh, an incredibly good job last season to come in as late as he did. And with a group of players, he was effectively given to get them playing the, the style of football that they played, uh, pick up and picking up the points that they did. And they were a Harry McCurdy penalty away from getting to the to the playoff final, where I think they probably would have been favourites against Mansfield as well. Um, not only has Garner left, but he's taken with him Jojo Wallacott, who has one of, if not the best keeper in the league last season. Jack Payne, who was one of those classic players who was just playing beneath his level. He shouldn't have been playing League Two football. And Egbo as well, who came in halfway through the season and, and you know had a big part to play, playing at right back too. Um, they've lost those players. They've also lost Ben Chorley, who was the director of football, who was basically the man who brought those players in at such short notice and did such a good job to build a squad. They have brought in Sandro Di Michele as to replace Chorley someone that you and I both know uh, from other work he he has been part of recruitment teams in the past it's impossible for us to sit here and and say whether or not he is a positive or a negative at this stage without seeing the fruits of his labour and they have brought in a lot of players there seems to have been a real drive towards recruiting from PL2 basically we're seeing loads of players coming in from Leicester under 23s we have seen Reese Devine coming from Manchester United uh, Tom Clayton from Liverpool as well we are not appeal to experts we cannot say what they are going to be like but it does seem like a fairly high risk strategy with a feasibly high reward you know if these are guys who again shouldn't be playing in League 2 then it will look good we have to make our predictions on what we can see at the moment and it seems pretty obvious to me that they are weaker for the summer in terms of who they've lost and then Scott Lindsay is the new manager He quite clearly wasn't the plan all along. Um, There was a a long um, managerial recruitment plan after uh, Garner left. And Lindsay, who was part of Garner's backroom staff, ended up getting the job. Um, I think Angus MacDonald is the one signing where if he can stay fit, we can safely say that is a a brilliant player to have brought in. Um, But Dion Conroy will be another one that they've lost who will be hard to replace. So Swindon did incredibly well last season to get to where they, they got to, but a lot of the protagonists have now moved on. And I see no reason at this stage until we see what these new players are are, are like, why they should be uh, up in the playoff mix again. 15th,
0: Sutton United debut campaign in EFL football, in professional football, in fact, last season. And they were magnificent, weren't they? They finished eighth, just one point off the playoffs. And because the narrative was that this was a fairy tale for Sutton United, and understandably so, I think people almost didn't take them seriously enough. They were, if you take out any sort of storyline or narrative, a very good team. It wasn't a fluke that they missed the playoffs by one point. Their underlying numbers were very, very strong. They also got to the final of the Papa John's trophy. They had a brutal few weeks of injuries and suspensions. And of course, every club can point to that. But when you miss the playoffs by one point, when you've got all the way to the final uh, of the Papa John's, And you've had those injuries and suspensions. I think you do have uh, some pretty good excuses not to have made that one point difference. It was a brilliant campaign. So why do we have them down in 15th? Well, the suggestion is that things will be more difficult for them this season. And partly that's because of two in my eyes, key attacking players that they do not have in their ranks. And that is David Ajaboy, who moves up to Peterborough United in League One and Isaac Alafe, who had been on loan from Millwall for two seasons. Uh, for me, those two were some of the scariest attackers in League Two last season and they're both missing. They've been replaced so far by Luke Gambin, who's a, a semi-known quantity, I would suggest at this level and not someone I expect to have the uh the exciting output maybe of Alafe and Ajiboy and Josh Neufill on loan from Luton who frankly could Uh, go some way to filling those shoes, but I'm not 100% sure. They lost their key goalkeeper, Buzanis. He's been replaced by Rose, who, again, I cannot confidently predict will have the same sort of leadership and impact on this team. And then there's just the fact of it being their second season at the level and then being something of a known quantity now where last season they may have benefited from being not that. It's normally a very tight squad. They've had to spend a lot of the money that they've earned through promotion off the field on uh, improving their facility in their stadium and I like their fast and direct style and I love Matt Gray and I would never worry about relegation personally with Matt Gray in charge of Sutton United because the club feels so together and feels so smart but I do think last season might be tough to replicate um, with a squad that I just see as being a little weaker and a style of play that might
1: be might be a little less effective so Sutton 15th uh, and above them George yeah, this is a case of, of a club that I think the outside perception is completely different to what they are. And I said this last season, and they had a, a, a torrid season. But Barrow, we've got in fifteenth, which I don't think is necessarily a particularly positive outlook uh, based on what they will want to happen at the club uh, itself. Even though they are seven to two favourites with the Betfair Sportsbook for relegation, or uh, the sixteen to five actually favourites for relegation, I think that is completely wrong and misjudges a what the budget will be and b the position they're in going into this season. If you look at their managerial history since Ian Everett left the club after promotion from the National League in uh, July 2020. They've gone through David Dunn, Rob Kelly, Michael Jolly, Rob Kelly, again, Mark Cooper and Phil Brown. They have had absolute off-pitch carnage in in terms of the managers that have come through the door. They now look, to my eyes, to have made as shrewd a managerial appointment as we've seen. Pete Wilde comes in having done a very, very good job at Oldham a couple of years ago when that club was, I mean, well, when the, the off field mayhem there uh, really started. And then he went to Halifax town and got Halifax right at the top end of the national league. And we know that league is so competitive these days with the amount of money running through it. Um, His whole Halifax side, basically from last season are now playing in league one and league two in this campaign, which just shows what an incredible team he built and, he feels to me that they've gone out in the same kind of way that we've seen Rob Edwards move move on to, to Watford this season Wild seems to me to be that type of league two manager I'm not saying he's going to be that good but he seems to have the that bit about him where he, you know they've recruited a manager whose trajectory is on an upward curve and hopefully he will take them with them as well uh, in terms of recruitment they certainly need to buy a striker uh, Richie Bennett came in who previously had a decent spell with them he's got injured uh, to start with for a couple of months. And they don't, they look to be lacking goals but there's enough in terms of the uh, the squad that's already there and those that they brought in um, and the budget itself will certainly be a top half budget that predicting them to finish lower mid table I think they will be um, those who are predicting them for relegation will be surprised how high they are and there'll be Barrow fans listening who'll be pretty frustrated with how low they <laughs> are
0: I think there's players like Gotts and Stevens who are absolutely ripe for breakout seasons as well. And and I think we're both pretty excited about Pete Wilde having seen mm. and heard very good things over the last few years. Someone who absolutely deserves a shot at managing uh, a non-basket case EFL club. At Tranmere we have above them in, in 13th in mid-table. Uh, they finished 9th last season. It's still Mickey Mellon at the helm. There has been some pretty serious squad churn and not a very subtle uh, strategy to it uh, the major departures are some of the older players of the squad of what was a pretty aged squad last season Peter Clark Sam Foley Jay Spearing Callum McManaman the more recognisable names in the squad and certainly the most experienced and the oldest. They've brought in to replace them some experience in, in Byrne and, and John Nolan uh, and Lewis as well in midfield and then quite a lot of young players, Hughes and Bristow, Hockenhall from Brentford, McAleer, uh, Robinson, the left back from Wigan. I am quite excited mid to long term about this squad rebuild. However, uh, I'm a little bit concerned short term about what it might mean for two reasons. Uh, last season, Tranmere's strength was there, record in terms of clean sheets or just conceding one goal. 36 of their 46 games, they either kept a clean sheet or they conceded one. uh, And that was a big reason why, for some of the campaign, they flirted with the playoffs, because going forward, they were pretty grotty, to be quite honest with you. Now, we're going to find out just how much the intangible stuff, the leadership qualities of Clark and Spearing, who screened that defence well, meant for that. If there's big slippage on the defensive end, I would be a little bit concerned because... Mellon and his style of play I haven't quite grasped in his second spell at Tranmere and I've never been particularly excited by them in an attacking sense. They do have a goal scorer in Kane Hemmings that I think is probably one of the best 3-5 to five in League 2 and I think in a good attacking team Hemmings will score or can score a lot of goals. So if Elliot Nevitt, his strike partner, can come on again after his first season as a pro... Someone that was very popular with fans for his work rate and could add more goals to his game. You've got Hawks and Morris can be dangerous off the flanks, but classics sort of League Two inconsistency, I'd say as well. Davies, a great centre-back. O'Connor, a good defensive midfielder. There are some good players here. I'm just not 100% sure at this stage how it's going to look, how it's going to work, having hugely reduced the average age of the squad. And just for how I perceive Mellon, I, I I'm gonna need to see him play a style more befitting a young, less experienced, more technical group before I decide that that's the right thing or the right man for this squad of players. I, I must admit, it's not a fan base that I think feels particularly enthused or energetic at the moment as well. And and that's a sort of thing that can make a big difference when you have the size of the fan base that Tranmere Rovers have. Uh, very much in the balance for me. That's why we got them mid table, 13th Tranmere. I think there's a fair chance, if you're listening to this, you like the EFL. At the very least, you have an interest. I think there's a pretty good chance you'd go as far as to say you love it, that you think they're wonderful leagues, that you love watching them, finding out more about them, listening and reading discussion about them. Let me tell you about the Not The Top 20 squad, a community run through Leveller and through the app Telegram, which has become something pretty special in me and George's not-the-top-20 life. 140 strong, and on there we have some of the most knowledgeable fans of, yes, almost every EFL team out of the 72, but also uh, from non-league, from Scottish football, from Irish football, um, from all over the world, an incredible group of people who have come together and created a really friendly, entertaining and very supportive community and um, we do bang on about it quite a lot but we really do think it's special now we'd love it if you gave it a go if you checked it out uh, if you head to the link in the description of this podcast or the link in our bio on Twitter. You should be able to go through to Leveler and sign up for a two-week free trial. Now, there is a monthly fee if you decide to continue after your two-week free trial. We'll leave it up to you to decide whether that fee is worth it. We think 140 people can't be wrong, and for the right person with the right interests it can be a fantastic place so we hope to see you on there on the NTT20 squad join now through
1: leveler using the link in the description we'll see you in there 12th is Newport County um i think if you'd asked me back in kind of february march i'd have had newport circle as the team i was most looking forward to in the upcoming campaign Shades, I think, of Mike Duff and Cheltenham in terms of Robbery coming in halfway through a season, impressing us with the way that he spoke, impressing us with the way that his team was playing. But there was a real slide uh, the back end of last season, the last six weeks or so, where Newport went from being genuine, you know, promotion candidates, both in terms of, of an automatic position and the playoffs, to just really fizzling out in the back end of the season and, and finishing up pretty far away from the top seven itself. Uh, they've obviously lost Dominic Telford, who we will come on to shortly. Um, which is, you know, he was he was top goal scoring in the league last season and, and replacing those goals is going to be very difficult and, and Baker Richardson as well who I mentioned has gone to Crewe. Um, They brought in Zanzala, they brought in Bogle. Um, I have said for those who are new to the podcast, you know, I've, I've said for a long time that I'm not, you know, Omar Bogle being seen as some big coup because he's a former championship striker I don't think is right. He was, pretty good he was okay for Hartlepool last season but I don't think he's necessarily someone who we can expect great things from and Zanzala seems to move every summer um to a new club hoping that the clear talent is is going to eventually uh, lend itself to consistent performances I think the pick of the signings is pros- possibly Aaron Wildig who um was a, a huge part of Morecambe's promotion uh, a couple of seasons ago and someone who will definitely be a pretty good kind of uh midfield general for, for Roby in the middle of the park um, we've seen him go back to his former club Cardiff for Bowen and, and Zimba Zimba uh, making a couple of of, of starts for um, Cardiff last season under Steve Morrison you know they could easily surprise us and, and I still think Robry is definitely a manager to follow um, but there's there are too many doubts I think we both feel to have them in that top seven at the moment
0: the extent to which I rate Finn Azaz and Ollie Cooper yeah. as attacking midfielders as at, as well. <laughs> at yeah. League Two level means that their departures back to their parent clubs and yeah. Azaz uh, then on loan to, to Argyle. It's very difficult, I think, to cr- to replace that level of creativity and skill uh, in the transfer market as a League Two club. That is the the. the, the that is the big challenge for for Roberry. having said that i like to think that his style of play lends itself to a, to a, a good high goal scoring team regardless we will find out uh, it's a really interesting team to follow newport county this season at doncaster we have in 10th place they were relegated from league 1 last season it was a an absolutely miserable campaign with next to no positives, you have to say. And they ended it with Gary McSheffrey taking charge. Uh, He leads them into League Two. He has James Coppinger, legend of the club, as head of football operations. And they've been quite busy. And I think their transfer business has helped turn around a lot of the poor feeling uh, that they finished last season with, particularly the early attacking additions of Luke Molyneux, who I thought was excellent and grew even stronger as the season went on at Hartlepool last season. Uh, And of course, George Miller, uh, who I think if he is their main man, if he can stay fit, he is the sort of lively attacking player in League Two that can score goals, but also will often uh, offer rather a lot else as well. They've got a lot of midfield players that I like uh, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing Doncaster hopefully play an attractive style of play which I would say is something that they've been known for over the last decade or so with Adam Clayton, with Ben Close, um, with Harrison Biggins having joined from Fleetwood who's a real goal threat arriving late into the box for midfield with Tommy Rowe of course such a a stalwart for them and the addition of Lee Tomlin as well who in a few appearances for Walsall at the back end of last season still showed that he has rare League 2 quality in his locker If, of course, if he can stay fit uh, and motivated. I think 10th is a reflection of a team that we don't see spiralling hugely. But I also don't sense a complete freshness and a complete focus on the very top of this uh, division. The lack of experience in the dugout and, frankly, in the football operations side is something of a concern as well. It could take McSheffrey and Coppinger uh, a while to ease into their roles. We shall see. Doncaster in 10th spot in our League 2 table. Above them, George, I just mentioned them, Lee Tomlin's former club, Walsall, the Saddlers.
1: Yeah, I think this is a case of um, you know, talking about managers who came in during last season. I think... Um, you know, Michael Flynn has been somewhat maybe forgotten for the incredible job he did in Newport County over a period of time and after he left Newport he was being touted for for championship in League One job so it was a bit of a surprise when he turned up at Walsall and I think often when a manager takes over at a club halfway through a season where the club is basically already destined to finish mid-table you can pretty much write it off and there's been massive churn at Walsall they've been taken over by an American consortium who are making all the right noises in terms of of what they want to do at the club. Um, It's not often, I think you get an American consortium taking over a club and you go out and recruit a 40-year-old centre-back and a 35-year-old striker, but that's what they've done with Andy Williams and Peter Clark, who... It's hard to get too excited about those two but certainly adding some experience to the side isn't a bad thing given the amount of youth they've invested in elsewhere as well and that is something that we saw Flynn do a lot at Newport. It was that kind of recruitment where you look to bring in a couple of older heads amongst some very technically gifted players and I'm excited to see how Flynn sets out his team to play because we saw him at Newport of course look to play um, some pretty expansive stuff at times but also some pretty pragmatic uh, football at others too. So they just seem to me to be a side who are um, fairly well set and fairly solid. Uh, we haven't mentioned yet that, of course, next season we're going to have the the five subs uh, being used next season as well. Which is, I think, when we're doing a one to twenty four, you want to look at sides who have a lot of depth in the squads, and certainly Warsaw we'll have that at the moment, both in in advanced areas and also in centre midfield as well. So. It's hard to get overly enthused, but I think with Flynn at the helm and um, with the recruitment that they've made and and the way the squad looks and the amount of depth there, it's hard to see why Warsaw wouldn't be a pretty solid bet for mid-table. Next
0: up, ninth place. Another intriguing side for me, and that's Leighton Orient. They finished 13th last season. It was a pretty strong start under Kenny Jackett, and then all of a sudden it was not a strong middle. Richie Wellens was appointed, and I think it's fair to say that the impact he had was pretty strong. I think there's quite a lot of excitement at Orient this season about what they could do because uh, what they saw was some real progress, some good attacking football, technical attacking football, which they may not have felt like they saw under jacket, and some pretty exciting performances from players like Theo Archibald, who's an exciting wide player, of from Ruel Sotiriu, who's a homegrown uh, goal scorer, playing either up front or from wide. And I'm excited to see them attack this season. I've still got Swindon-era Wellens ball front and centre of my mind, even though I know Salford fans, and in particular Doncaster fans, will tell you that Richie Wellens is a poor manager who struggles to motivate and puts people's noses out of joint uh, and actually doesn't keep his players fit and doesn't play as nice football uh, as people say. Well, I'm still clinging on to that 1920 Swindon side because I absolutely loved it. And so I'm kind of going back to the Wellands here. Um, I think they've got goals from up front, from wide and from midfield. Um, I've been told they've got a a very competitive budget, top seven budget. Uh, They've paid fees for players this summer, which you don't see very often uh, at League Two level. I just think I'd like to see a bit more oomph in midfield. I'd like to see a bit more fullback depth. And I guess the fact that we don't have them in the playoffs is just a little bit of timidness about the way that that Doncaster job went for Richie Wellens. I would probably lean towards it being more an issue of Doncaster Rovers than it was a Richie Wellens issue but there's no doubt that he's got something to prove. I think that's probably quite a good spot for him to be in. I know Orient fans and I would agree would like to see a few more additions. It's gone a little quiet in the last few weeks but I think they're in a good spot for a tilt at the playoffs. We've got them just falling short it's not necessarily a knock on them that's because we have a view of all 24 teams and we think there are some a little stronger one of them is Stevenage or Steve Evansenage, as George insists on calling them every Monday pod now this for me is a really interesting one it's one that I'm kind of excited about because Stevenage are being Priced up by the bookmakers, rated by the bookmakers as either the weakest team in the league or at least the second or third weakest team in the league. That's not how I see Stevenage in the short term. Steve Evans is their manager and for me they are a big riser because as soon as Evans came in last season when they'd been pretty desperate all season, he got such a strong Steve Evans grip on this team. It was so clear... The, the patterns of play that he had put in place it was so clear how simple but effective the game plan was and it was what they needed at that time I think they finished and they would have been feeling quite positive and then Steve Evans does what Steve Evans does best and he talks the chairman in to signing him a lot of players so there's been quite a lot of squad churn here they've lost the likes of Cuthbert and Prosser uh, Lines and Andrade and Coker but they'd made 11 signings by early July and they're players that Steve Evans would have moved quickly to get in the building I'm sure that they would have battled off uh, interest from clubs much higher in the EFL pyramid like uh, Steve Evans signings always seem to. Uh, And I just have a very clear vision of how this is going to look. I think Stevenage will have a very defined style of play and it may not be to everyone's taste. I think they are going to be one of the most direct teams in this league. The best way I can sum it up, George, and apologies for some coarse language, is I think Stevenage might massively shit house League 2 this season. And I think there's a chance it could work very, very well. I expect them to tighten up considerably, um, to be very solid at the back. And I probably have higher hopes than most people seem to for for their front line, which consists of Luke Norris and Danny Rose. I think both suit being a a Steve Evans striker well. Um, Elliot List, someone I've always liked running in behind as a threat. Uh, And from set pieces, well, they've got Carl Piergiani, they've got Bostwick, they've got Sweeney. I'm saying 15-plus set-piece goals. So for me, a big riser, Stevenage. We've got them just outside the playoffs, but compared to where most people will have them, this is a massive move, Uh, a pro-Stevenage, a pro-Steve Evans move. Uh, His style of play might not be to everyone's liking. Uh, His personality might not be to everyone's liking, but I think he is absolutely going to be for Stevenage's liking this season. Now we have the playoff places. This is where it gets a bit of fun, George. Uh, Who's this in seventh?
1: Another team that I'm seeing a lot of people predicting for relegation, Ali. Wow. Crawley Town. It's a stance. Yeah, this is probably my biggest stance maybe in the whole of the EFL apart from the team that we have top of the championship. So go and check that out after this. Um, I think that of all League 2 teams there are more column inches written about Crawley this season. Uh, And that's because of the new ownership structure. It's because of the NFTs. It's because of the crypto side of things it's because they're getting the people who buy the nfts to make decisions based on what's happening at the club and all this other stuff and there is so much noise about this that it feels like people are just totally ignoring what's going on in front of them firstly you look back at last season where crawley tan were a, a solid mid-table league two side john yems has left the club uh, under a a dark cloud let's say um that has to be a massive positive in my point of view regardless of whether he was a good coach or not you cannot treat people the way that he treat people and that was before the allegations came out about the reasons for his departure. They've gone out and they've signed they've hired two incredibly well respected coaches at any level of the game. You've got Kevin Betsy and Dan Machici. I know Machici had a very disappointing stint in charge of MK Dons but there is no denying that his reputation within the game is to be a magnificent coach and I think it probably helps that he's now assistant to a former player in Kevin Betsy, who played at the top level who was managing um, the Arsenal under 21 side uh, for the last couple of seasons and fair to say Arsenal didn't want to lose him and he has a a really good reputation as a coach as well so out with Yem's, in in with two guys who you know we've seen a lot of successful management um, managers recently of similar backgrounds and Betsy looks to me to be a big step up uh, in terms of the way they're going to look to play as well you then look at the the signings themselves a couple of really interesting signings from academy clubs uh, Toby Omole um, comes in left-footed centre-back who I've heard very good things about um, and James Balaghizi as well from Liverpool who at 18 years old seems to be somebody that Liverpool fans uh, hold in very high regard and people who do watch a lot of U-team football have told us should be very, very good for the level. Then the two headline signings, Dominic Telford, um, top goal scorer in League Two last season, somebody who I think we anticipated would be getting a move at least into League One for this campaign. And then I also think Dion Conroy is another excellent addition, somebody who Swindon fought very hard to keep, who was a crucial part of their defence last season. And again, let's get the ball down and play, uh, which is the way I think we're going to see them for the next campaign. I'd say Tunnicliffe is probably the only player leaving the club who was of value and of significance for them. They have, again, plenty of depth in the squad itself as well, even though the crypto side of the new owners might be uh, might put a few people off. I've listened to a couple of the Twitter spaces and the rest of it, and I think they kind of know what they're doing. I also think a lot of the stuff they're doing in terms of fan engagement is fairly gimmicky. You know, They did a fan vote the other day for um, for what position they wanted to sign next. The fans voted for a centre midfielder. They announced left back Brandon Brandon Mason had signed. Called him a midfielder. He absolutely isn't that. You know this is recruitment. Um, I, I think it's just a lot of noise. It's a lot of way to try and market the club to try and get some uh, investment into the club. And uh, as far as I know, if crucially, if um, you know the crypto crash continues, I think the club um, aren't overly reliant on you know cryptocurrencies in order to stay afloat. So. You can only go by what you're seeing Uh, in terms of recruitment. I think Crawley look very, very well set to be improving on last season and it would not be a massive improvement at all for him to go from being a mid-table side to a seventh-place side. So I am very, very keen on them for for the upcoming campaign.
0: I see a lot of goals on the horizon down in Sussex. Um, I think I made this clear last season, but I just want to make it clear on our most listened podcast of the year. Kwesi Appiah, if he can stay fit, is excellent. And I wouldn't be surprised if Crawley are good if we're talking about him as much, if not more, than last season's League Two Golden Boot winner, Dom Telford. That's how highly I rate Appiah when he's fit. Joining them in the playoffs, AFC Wimbledon. Now, let's get another elephant in the room and straight out, George. We're picking a team to finish sixth who haven't won a league football match in 27 games. Johnny Jackson took charge of Charlton last season after the departure of Nigel Adkins, did a a very, very good job initially to get a grip of the squad. Um, When it became clear that they probably weren't going to reach the playoffs, uh, JJ kind of petered out a little bit and he was let go by Thomas Sangard. He wasn't kept on. I think some fans, and certainly us, would have thought that he had earned himself a shot at uh, the job this season. Now, Charlton fans may not agree with that now. I just think they're quite excited about Garnable. But... What I would say is if you check out Johnny Jackson's record at Charlton when he had his two strikers, Jaden Stockley and Connor Washington, available and playing, you're looking at someone who was winning pretty much 60% of their games. Uh, When Jaden Stockley and Connor Washington, as was the case, were not there, uh, Charlton did not win very many games. I dare say there's quite a lot of managers in the EFL that would struggle without their two strikers. Funny enough, as the summer progressed... The big issue for me was up top for Wimbledon. It was a huge problem for them last season, particularly after the departure of Ollie Palmer to Wrexham. And then in the space of a few days, they added some seriously intriguing uh, attacking prospects. Firstly, Kyle Hudlin, who joins from Solihull Moors. He went to Huddersfield and they loaned him straight out to Wimbledon they want to see him Huddersfield play EFL football because they think they might have someone that could be molded into something quite special that's because Carl Hudlin is the tallest professional outfield footballer uh, in English football at least that's what I've been told he is a proper sight to behold I think he's the sort of player that might have some games where he struggles to impact it. I'm confident he will have some games where he absolutely impacts it. But to be honest, I'm a much bigger fan of Josh, Josh Davison, who they've signed permanently from Charlton, still a young striker. Uh, I'm a much bigger fan of Davison's than some people. He's not the most composed and natural finisher. Uh, I hope that's something that he can improve on. But I think he's got a lot to his game all round. And when you have a player like Sal who will be playing just off a striker, who we th- do think is a pretty serious goal threat... Who can zip about, get into dangerous positions, and finish? When you've got players like McCormick breaking from midfield, I don't think you necessarily need someone who's going to score you 20, 25 goals a season. I do also think Davison's all-round game means he probably can and still will score goals, even if his conversion isn't quite as sharp as as some others at the level. Regardless, I'm excited about this because I think the squad looks pretty good, pretty complete. I'd like to see a bit more depth uh, in the fullback or wingback areas, um, but. I like the fit for Johnny Jackson. He's a young manager that clearly we think has uh, a very, very, well, an interesting skill set, potentially a good future in the game. They will have to get over the losing run, so it would be crucial that that first win comes pretty quickly, but I think it will. There seems to be a freshness, there seems to be an excitement amongst the fan base, which might be a surprise to some who'd think that the way last season finished would have had the fans pretty unhappy no they've sold more season tickets than they did last season they've got a strong budget and they've added some really interesting players onto a squad which I think has some very strong centre backs some very strong central midfielders really excited to see a couple of academy players Curry the left back I'm expecting him to get a lot of minutes Alfie Bendel as well now he is seriously young just 17 um, but a midfielder who I'd love to see get an opportunity Uh, and there we go Wimbledon 6th that's where we got him looking forward to seeing what happens there George who's next
1: yeah, last two um, playoff positions go to two teams, so I, th- I feel there are similarities in terms of their their recent times. Uh, Salford are in fifth, Stockport are in fourth. Now we'll start with Salford. Neil Wood is their new manager after Gary Boyer um, did what a lot of Salford ma- uh, managers have failed to do since they returned to well, since they they came to the EFL for the first time, and that was get them uh, into the playoffs at least. Uh, con- consistently, Salford over the last two seasons have been the favourites to get out of this league both times they've fallen um, fairly far short but in Woods I think it's probably a surprise that it's taken taken this long until somebody connected with Manchester United has got the job Um, he certainly comes in with some decent pedigree having been Manchester United under 23 manager for the last three years before coming in and I really like their business as well you know Callum Hendry comes in with a big reputation from Scotland as a goal scorer Stevie Mallon uh, formerly of Hibernian just 26 years of age uh, someone who's spent the last season in Turkey but a lot of reports again from Scotland can't really believe that he's stepped down to League 2 level we've seen this before with Salford Uh, but a couple that I think are really impressive Elliot Watt I'm hoping will finally get the opportunity to play centre midfield for a team who are possession hungry because I do think he is uh, too good for for League 2 level and we didn't see the best of him at Bradford playing for managers who didn't really want to play the way that would necessarily suit. And then Ryan Leake at Burton Albion who is a, a, a very competent centre-back who we've seen play well for Burton in, in League 1 recently at a good age of 24 as well. Um, it does feel like a more measured way of doing things now. We probably are taking a bit of a punt on Wood being... Um, as uh, as successful as other academy coaches that have dropped down a level but a lot of dead wood cleared as well you know older players that were brought in the likes of, likes of Morris Henderson Hunter being moved on too uh, and I do think there is reason to be fairly confident and you have to remember that Salford's budget has to be up in the top two or three in the division uh, so with a capable manager they should do better and then yeah in fourth the um, the bookies favourites to win the league in Stockport I think you can often get welcome Stockport County you can get caught into a trap with um, with these teams who are promoted out to the National League with a big reputations for a big budget And, you know, a fourth place finish, I think, should be seen by Stockport fans as a really impressive return to the level. Uh, Dave Challoner is obviously a very capable manager. We've seen him get promoted out of the National League twice, once with Hartlepool and then leaving Hartlepool during last season to drop back into the National League and taking uh, Stockport up as champions. Um, But, you know, I compared Stockport and, and Salford previously. A lot of people thought that Salford were going to do exactly what people are predicting Stockport to do, and that is to win back-to-back promotions. But it's not that easy. It's not easy uh, to, to do that. They have made some eye-catching signings, certainly Callum Camps and Fraser Horsfall. I think anybody uh, thought that at the end of their contracts, at the back end of last season, they were probably destined to, to get a League One move, but Stockport clearly have the financial ability to... Um, attract players of that calibre uh, I know their owner is incredibly popular with the Stockport fans in terms of the support that he gives the club um, but as I say I, I do think when you've got teams from last season who are about to talk about who with their current manager and their current squad effectively have already proven themselves as top class League 2 sides I think it's, a, it's just a little step too far to assume we're going to see Stockport come up and immediately um, show how good they are and put themselves into that position. And those are our four playoff places uh, in terms of the odds themselves of the Betfair Sportsbook in the top seven finish market. Stockport are four to seven favourites to do just that. Uh, we then have uh, AFC Wimbledon, who are five to two. Salford are four to six. And the fourth team in that Crawley town, thirteen to five. So we've got the top, the two most likely to finish in the top seven there, in Stockport and Salford, and a couple of outsiders in, in AFC Wimbledon and Crawley. I think that sums
0: up League Two pretty nicely uh, at this stage. Also wanted to say, and I'm not having a go here, but you framed a lot of that Stockport bit on the fact that they are the bookie's favourites to win the league and therefore it felt almost like negative, like yeah. you're having to prove why we didn't have them top. Yes. I think we're both pretty excited to have Stockport in League Two. I think we're both pretty excited to see this team yeah. that we have heard a lot about. Um it were an interesting one to to research because, you know, all reports from the National League were that they were an unbelievable winning machine. How about this for a record? Against bottom half teams in the National League They won 21 out of 22 games. Against top half teams in the National League, it was 31 points from 22 games, which is still a good record against the better teams in the division but let's be clear their promotion was fueled by them playing against the poorest teams in the National League and when we talk about the gap between the top of the National League and League 2 we're probably not talking about those teams at the bottom end of the National League where there is quite a big discrepancy because some of those teams are part-time so that's something I think is another kind of fuel to the reason why we're not just sticking them straight up there because of the momentum and because of the, the bookies favouritism uh, having said that I think we're both pretty excited to get up there and watch game because by all reports the atmosphere there at the moment is fantastic and we've no doubt they will go very well indeed but our top three in league two pretty recognizable names at league two level one of them is mansfield town now we've had something of a love-hate relationship with mansfield town in terms of the pre-season predictions Um, we are Clearly, easily seduced by the Stags. And it's happened again. They were the losing playoff finalists at Wembley just seven weeks ago. Uh, They got Nigel Clough in charge. They finished seventh in League Two last season. Why do we think they're a top three team? Well, I really rate Nigel Clough. I think he has a very strong grip on this football club. And sometimes when a manager has a grip quite as strong and an authority quite as strong on a club... That might be cause for concern, and perhaps mid to long term it is. Short term, I think it's a very, very good thing. I think he has proven that in his career so far, very particularly at Burton Albion. When Clough has his way and when he has full authority, good results tend to follow. Now, last season, there was a 12-game stretch where Mansfield picked up five points, just five points in 12 games. In the other 34 games, they picked up 72 points, well over two points per game. My stance is that that freak spell does not happen again. There was a mixture of poor defensive displays, a lot of injuries and some loss of confidence for a while there. I don't think that's likely to happen again. So I think Mansfield in this guise with this manager and this squad are the 72 points in 34 games team more than the 5 points in 12 games team and that means they have to be considered for a top 3 finish. I didn't get the feeling as a season finish like they needed tons of additions to be a stronger side and I think some fans would like to see a bit more but frankly they've gone for quality over quantity. Christy Pim in goal should be more than capable at this level and I think Hiram Boateng if he can stay fit and if they can find a good place for him in this system, could be one of the stars going forward uh, in League Two this season. They've not lost a huge amount. There's continuity there. Yes, I'd love to see a bit more speed or athleticism at centre-back. I'd love to see one or two new faces in wide or forward areas. But in general, uh, I think if there's one thing we've learned about Mansfield in the last few years, they will continue to make transfer reinforcements where necessary. They can't be ignored. Mansfield automatically promoted for us in third place. And above them, George in
1: second. Not again. Not again. We can't have done it again, have we? Bantams. Bradford are second. <laughs> they're not top, which one of us, me, wanted them to be. Uh, no, they're not top. But they're. I, look, firstly, it's, it's Monday, the 25th of July, 2022, and Mark Hughes is still Bradford manager. I think it's fair to say. After initial concerns when he first joined the club last season, like would he really fancy it? Could he be bothered to go in at League Two level and manage a club, despite the fact that obviously Bradford have incredible potential to rise the leagues? He's still there. He's overseen a summer of recruitment. And we have to now surely think that Hughes being there for a whole campaign next season, having been there for a whole pre-season, has got to be a big positive. And I think in terms of the players they brought in, we're seeing the effect of having a guy who's been a pretty successful uh, Premier League manager in the past uh, at the helm. You know, I think Hughes often gets lumped in with the Allardyces and Bruces of the world. Actually, I think that's very unfair. I think he did a good job, certainly in Wales, did a very good job at Manchester City as well and other clubs too. Um, I think Richie Smallwood is one of the most impressive signings um, we've seen this summer. I don't think, you know, often when you get Championship centre midfielders aged in their early 30s dropping down to League 2 level it's because they are effectively gone at the game I don't think that's the case with Smallwood I think he's an effective player or has been an effective player in the Championship in in the last couple of seasons and he should be somebody who can still basically dominate the game not in terms of his uh, ball playing abilities but in terms of what he does off the ball and his energy and his ability to break down play Harry Chapman in from Blackburn is another magnificent signing somebody who when he's on form we've seen dominate uh, games in uh, an attacking force in League One for, for Burton Albion and someone who should if he can re- recreate that form be one of the best attacking players in the division Dane Oliver
0: Yay! I was waiting for you to mention him he's the one for me who
1: over the last couple of seasons has been the best target man in League One playing for a, a very poor Gillingham side as well and um, and, and again, depth, size of the squad, the players that they already have, um, also like Osadebe as well, who's come in from Walsall. Um, there seems to be a lot of players here who, when they're at their best, effectively should be better than the level. And unlike in other League Two sides, where if they're not at their best, well then, their key players are missing. There's so much depth, the squad is so big, that actually it, sh- it shouldn't necessarily matter too much. Uh, and then again, going back to the five subs rule, Bradford are going to be in a better position than most in order to make the most of that. So... It is always nerve-wracking when you are um, siding with a, a team or a club who year on year disappoint and underperform. But we have to remember that football clubs are not people. You know Their identity changes and it does feel to me like the appointment of Hughes and the way the club has been run over the last eight or so months since Hughes came in or six or so months since Hughes came in. This is a new iteration of Bradford and they look to me like a completely different beast and one who should be able, surely to finally challenge at the top end of of League Two.
0: Not specific to Bradford, but in general, people cling on way too much to that sort of stuff, don't they? The whole like, well, no, they always let you down. they, They can't handle it. They'll always fall away. It's not true. And it's not particularly, I don't think, interesting analysis. Sunderland were always letting their fans down until they didn't, until they won promotion. Brentford were always destined to fall short and lose in the playoffs until they didn't, until they won promotion. It doesn't take that much for something to just work. And because something has happened before, even two or three times, doesn't mean it'll happen again. I'm unashamedly excited about these signings, uh, particularly Big Dane Oliver, who I'm pretty sure on the pod at the end of last season, I was tipping him for a move to a championship side. I thought he'd be a good sort of second option for a championship side who wanted to play direct. Here he is playing in League Two. If he is motivated, he can both be the number one target man in the league and score goals as well. Uh, I'm getting Bristol Rovers... vibes in that it was said that they had won the transfer window with a much less impressive window than this Uh, and of course they didn't start well at all but the momentum that they gained over the course of the season with a squad that was added to in January because they had the means to do that um, I think I'm getting Bristol Rovers 21-22 vibes except I don't see why Bradford wouldn't start much better than Rovers did which should work very well So happy to have them high, happy to have them second. Because I wanted Cobblers in first. Northampton Town, I think, will be the League 2 champions this season. They were, well, ridiculously unfortunate, for want of a better word, not to win automatic promotion last season with Bristol Rovers' 7-0 win against Scunthorpe on final day. Just the perfect storm, if you will, the sort of thing that doesn't happen won't happen again i think it's fair to say one of the things that was said about northampton by ourselves for a lot of last season was they weren't offering a huge amount of open play they were keeping a lot of clean sheets partly thanks to their goalkeeper roberts who was magnificent and they were scoring what felt like a pretty unsustainable amount of goals from set pieces now all that stuff is true and would in isolation be enough to to maybe predict a bit of regression this year but i think what was missed was that actually in the last portion of the season, they improved on almost all of those things. I think they did finish the season as a much better team than they were for the majority of that campaign. Now, one of the reasons we underestimated Cobblers last season was because we didn't know much about John Brady at that time. We now know quite a lot about John Brady, and I think we like a lot about John Brady, and in particular about the grip that he has on this club, about the way that he seemingly motivates this squad of players, and how much they seem to love Playing for him. They kept that strong defence, but they added more going forward as the season went on. That was reflected in their goal output in the last portion of the season and their underlying numbers as well. And I think they've done good business this summer. They have lost Liam Roberts, who was brilliant in goal. And Lee Burge, it's unlikely to have as good a shot-stopping season as Roberts, but I don't see him being a huge net negative. Yes, they've lost Fraser Horsfall, who was a good defender, who had a big old rick in him, as we saw a few times. He scored a lot of goals from set pieces. And they've replaced him with Odemayo, with Schering. They've got the wing back in Haynes. They've got Fox, who was at Grimsby last season. People love Ben Fox, and I'm excited to see him in a midfield alongside McWilliams. That is serious mobility. They will be snapping at heels all day, every day. And up top, well a known quantity of sorts in Danny Hilton. I must admit, I don't know necessarily what to expect from him because it's been a few years since we last saw him at this level. But I think with his nous, with his movement, with his experience, with his finishing ability and his pure competitiveness, I'm confident we'll see goals from Hiltz. And then I'm really excited about young Kieran Bowie, who's on loan from Fulham. I've heard very good things about him from north of the border where he initially played uh, and also from the Fulham youth system where he's been playing the last few years. He's tall, uh, he is a, an aggressive striker and I think, hopefully, if he can cope with the rigours of his first loan, which can scupper some young players, uh, he should be a pretty good pickup. That's on top of Hoskins, a pere Pinnock all players with different skill sets who can add to a good attacking side. My view is that Northampton Town have got even stronger this season and finished last season incredibly strongly. I'd love to see them score more goals from open play. I think that they will do that and I'm sure they'll be as strong as ever defensively. So Northampton Town, our pick to win League Two with Bradford in second and Mansfield in third automatically promoted. A playoff Quad of Stockport County, Salford City, AFC Wimbledon and Crawley and then onwards with Stevenage in 8th, Orient 9th, Walsall 10th and Doncaster 11th with Newport in 12th, Trammere 13th, Barrow 14th, Sutton 15th, then Swindon 16th with Jills 17th, Grimsby 18th, Carlisle 19th and Crew Alex in 20th, Hartlepool 21st, Harrogate in 22nd, Colchester United and Rochdale in in the relegation spots in 23rd and 24th.
1: And in the odds with the Betfair Sportsbook uh, we chose Northampton Town as our winners they are 10 to 1 to win League 2 and looking at promotion odds the top 3 we had Northampton winning who are 3 to 1 Bradford in second who are 13 to 8 for promotion and Mansfield Town who are 12 to 5. So there you go three teams that we think are in for promotion 13 to 8 Bradford, Mansfield 12 to 5, Cobblers are champions 3 to 1.
0: Right, that's our League 2 1-24 A mixture of, of relief, excitement, happiness and some concern at how they'll be received. It's the same every year, George and the same as last year as well. A huge giveaway that we're offering a listener of these 1-24s. to We're buying a season ticket for one lucky listener. One of the things that they need to do to enter is to follow at NTT20pod on Twitter. Why don't you tell the listener the other part of entry into this huge giveaway of a season ticket.
1: well, given that summer fans have had to listen to us saying why their season is going to be so miserable, we thought it's only fair that you can tell us where we're wrong. So this time you will have to quote tweet one of the podcast uh, release tweets that we'll put out on at NTt twenty pod, and you have to quote tweet and tell us which of our predictions you think is the worst. So we want the team name, the position. And then your explanation as to why that is the worst prediction we have made. Make us laugh. That will be a positive. Make us change our mind. That will be even better. Don't make us cry. Don't be rude. Don't be mean. Just tell us why we are wrong about a team and we will choose our favourite and buy that person a season ticket for the club that they support.
0: When you predict the finishing position of 72 teams, there are bound to be some that you get very wrong. We're ready for that. There's no doubt about that. Last season, who was it? Well, it was Huddersfield Town in the Championship. It was Plymouth Argyle in League 1. In League 2, yeah, we got Bradford wrong. Yeah, we got Carlisle wrong. Yeah, we got Swindon and Sutton wrong as well. Cobblers, no doubt. So let us know. Quote tweet the tweet that publicises the League 2 episode of our 1-24s to with your view on our worst prediction one of you will win a season ticket to watch every home league game of your EFL club this season just like Sam did for Cambridge United last season it's a prize that we are so delighted to be able to offer and it's because of the support that we get from our sponsors Betfair so a huge thank you to them for continually supporting this podcast for another season at least uh, this is not the top 20 pod sponsored by Betfair we hope you've enjoyed these one to 24s and if you have why not share them? That would do us a great lot of good. We're always looking for new listeners and you can help us find them. Uh, Go well, make sure you listen to the League One and Championship episodes wherever you found this one. They can't be far away. Enjoy.